Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St. Paul's Theological Centre, based in St. Melitus College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd, and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, life, theology, in fact, just about anything. Well, hello everyone and welcome to GodPod. Um, I've just started GodPod while Mike's mouth is full of biscuit. It's very so, difficult to find a moment when it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Keep talking, Graham. Keep talking. As you, uh, if you've been a regular listener to GodPod in the past, you'll know biscuits play a very important part in this podcast, fueling our imaginations and our um, intellectual our inquiries yes. and our theology. So probably, today's no, it's no, no different. you to drool over your searing wheel or whatever it is. No, exactly, that's right, yeah. So you just think of biscuits. We are eating biscuits, we are. And um, Anyway, so we're also having coffee and we are just chatting away about theology as we always do. So today we have the um, the old team. So we have Jane. Oh, no, 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 no the, the, the well-established team. Well-established team. I'm happy to be called old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. We are older than we were when we started this thing, Michael. It's difficult not to be, really. It is. So... Um, Today we are um, very grateful for everybody who has emailed in questions and uh, they keep on coming, which is wonderful. And um, it is remarkable after a hundred and something of, of these things, we still find things to talk about. We never quite know when we get the emails in, you know, have we talked about that before? And uh, we it's probably have. Old, isn't it? We get forgetful. <laughs> That's right, yeah, we probably have, but um, we still sort of manage to kind of think of something new to say, don't we? Uh, we like to think so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it may be just our bad memories. So anyway, so we've got a couple of questions today I want to look at. Um, and um, one is from uh, Simon May. I think it's Simon May. His email is Simon George May, but presumably Simon May is his name. So um, Simon, thank you for your question. And um, the question is, uh, in preparing people for ministry and equipping people for discipleship, why does the church tend to prioritise academic matters over character issues? The head over the heart, ethical theory over learning to do the good. And uh, I thought this was quite an interesting question, seeing as all of us are involved in one way or another in preparing people for leadership and ministry in the church. And so presumably it's something we've all thought about a little bit, the relationship between um, academic theology, practical discipleship, um, character, all those sort of things. And I guess the, um, the sense Simon seems to have is that we do tend to prioritise academic over other things. So um, what, are your, what are your thoughts what, as you hear that question? How do you respond? I mean, it is a really interesting and very good question, isn't it? Because um, undoubtedly God calls all kinds of people um, to come to know God, love God, uh, follow God, uh, and bring uh, their, the whole range of their, their gifts and who they are to that. Um, and so it, it, if it looks as though um, we who are not God uh, only value an aspect of that um, personality, which is the intellectual, then we're certainly... Um, doing a disservice but it's also true that um, all of us who work in theological education in the Church of England um, are encouraging people to um, do as much um, theology push themselves intellectually as much as they possibly can and I suppose I'd like to start by saying I I think that there may be a false disjunction between um, uh, academic between learning learning, um, theology and practicing faith 
Um, mm. And I think that's a mm. disjunction that we fall into um, much too easily. That you can that your character can be shaped without you actually having to engage with something, think it through, mm. um, uh, commit yourself to the disciplines of examining and uh, and learning mm. what that actually means. How do you form your character if you don't mm. learn mm. in one way or another? Mm. Yes, I, I would be interested, I, I think, <clears throat> like Jane, I think it's a very interesting question. I'd be interested to know why Simon thinks that is the case, or not why he thinks it's the case, but what makes him think that that mm. is the case. Because my experience is slightly the other way around, mm. that there's a, uh, an emphasis upon heart, upon emotion, uh, upon... Perhaps not characterised. I agree with them that character, I think, doesn't get the attention it deserves. But there's an, an emphasis on a, a, emotion and experience and heart at the cost of the intellect in many ways. That I, I detect a real kind of anti-intellectualism around in the church today. Um, and a particularly, and there always has been, but I, but I think there's a new kind, and it's a kind of mission-shaped uh, anti-intellectualism, which says that sounds which, like a book title. Oh, well, it does, doesn't it? Mission-shaped anti-intellectualism. <laughs> Thank you. That says we don't need all this highfalutin theology. We need mm. people to go out there and do the job. Mm. Well, fine, but what is the job? Mm. Uh, we've got nothing to offer people but God, mm. uh, and offering God is theology, mm. communication about God, theologos. Mm. That, that's what it is. The question is, are we going to do it? profoundly or are we going to do it superficially and I think people out there both in the church and outside of the church are fed up with it being done superficially are crying out for depth um, so I actually <coughs> want to encourage people to love God with their mind as well as their heart, <coughs> souls and strength um, but if in other places the emphasis is the other way around I agree then that needs to be addressed as well I think it's interesting the response we get to Godpod in a way that um, when we started this thing, what, 12 years ago, it's still going. And I think that a lot of the responses we get back are, are people thinking, actually, it's, it's it's good to hear conversation about theological topics, which is which um, explores things a little bit more deeply than they often are used to, to getting, which I think testifies to that longing for something thoughtful and deep. Well, not that we are always thoughtful and deep, but yeah. <laughs> occasionally we get moments like that. <laughs> when we have good biscuits. Exactly. I said my, my, my um, <coughs> thought on it, I'm, I'm a bit with Jane really, that, that the disjunction between thinking and feeling and acting and the compartmentalising of those things is not always a very helpful thing. You know, when you, and I suppose it's partly because we think of academic theology as something you do in a seminary or in a university, you know, by doing a degree or doing a programme and writing essays and going to lectures and... We think of it a discrete set of activities that we, we do. Um, but actually, when you think of the the great theologians of the early church, none of them were in universities. None of them were sort of teaching separate classes. Most of them were doing their theology by preaching sermons in their churches and, and um, uh, by working out their theology as they engaged with different issues, as they tried to work out what the church thought about Christ or about the Spirit or about the church or whatever it, it, it might be. And um, so I suppose, you know, the, the creation of universities, these separate places where we go to do this thing called theology, is a little bit of a strange 
I'm thinking it maybe breeds this sense that theology is a separate activity from the rest of the Christian life, a bit of an optional extra for people who are kind of into that sort of thing, uh, as opposed to something which is an integral part of Christian life. And again, I was thinking about how you can't really separate out emotion and thinking. When I when I think about the times when I'm, you know, I'm my most sort of emotionally affected by my faith is oftentimes when actually I've I've seen something new I've, I've a new thought has occurred to me a new um, aspect of God has suddenly opened up in front of my eyes and and I find myself not just intellectually fascinated by that but emotionally engaged with it as well and at those moments it's very hard to think oh this is an academic moment or that's just an emotional moment um you know at its best it's, it's both it's back to this idea that in the in the eastern church you know theologia is the highest form of prayer it's the sort of vision of god um, and then I suppose the, 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 the impact of that, of that being um, ravished by the beauty and excitement of God, is an impact on your character, isn't it? Because mm. we shape ourselves around and towards <coughs> the things that we love mm. and desire and, um, and find beautiful. Um, uh, and so it, it, a Christian character is attempting to become more and more Christ-like. Well, what was Christ like? And mm. how do we mm. know? And how are we going to um, mm. attempt to to become mm. more Christ-like if we're not prepared to pay mm. really serious attention to mm. the character of God, um, mm. and and therefore uh, shape our characters accordingly? Mm. Mm. But that doesn't presumably mean that you have to to be able to um, do um, BAs and MAs and PhDs. Mm. I mean, again, it's a it, um, it's a matter of what you mean by studying theology. What you mean mm. by that intellectual pursuit of theology it doesn't have to be um, in, in a, a particular way of doing it as long as you're prepared to really work mm. at it mm. I think I think that's right good excellent but, but. but. <laughs> <laughs> see it coming <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I want just to kind of register a slight unease with um, your point about the great theologians have not done things in, th- in universities mm. in the sense that uh, one of the reasons Moses was able to have the impact he did was he had the best education that the world of his time could offer in in Egypt. One of the reasons that um, (coughs) uh, Daniel was able to have the kind of impact he did was because he had one of the best educations the world of his time could afford uh, in in Babylon. One of the reasons St Paul was able to have the impact he was because he had the best education that rabbinic Judaism at the time could offer him in in the person of Gamaliel. The, and and there's all that a university and and the universities of this country grew out of the monastic movement. They grew out of providing uh, f- formation for clergy and, and monks um, for, for, for the land. So there wasn't, in the intention of the university and the ideal of the university, any distinction between these different parts of of what it is to be Christian or yeah. human. But I guess I mean, there's an interesting history of universities, isn't there? Because as you're right, you know, the, the original medieval universities grew out of monastic houses. They were they were centres for, for Christian learning, and, and you had this idea of a, of a medieval curriculum in which theology kind of took central place, as it were. And I suppose there was that big shift, wasn't there, in the sort of late 18th century, beginning of the 19th century, towards a different vision of the university, which was of theology as just one subject amongst many others. You know, so you could study maths or science or you know physics or French or, or theology um, and that was a 
different structure of, of you know, because I think in the medieval university, it was almost like all the other parts of learning were all part of building up a picture of the world as God had had made. And I, I sometimes wonder about that move towards um, theology as one subject alongside many others, um, and how, how healthy that was for theology. Um, I think it's maybe it's inevitable that's the way we have to do it within a sort of more secular world. There's not there's not much choice. We can't go back to the medieval university. But I often wonder whether theology, by its very nature, is a different kind of subject from that. Because for a Christian, theology is not a, not just a subject you study like you would study maths or English or French. It's something that engages your heart and your head and and your mind and everything all at the same time. And so. It kind of fits within the university normal setup, but sometimes it doesn't. I don't I mean, think. It's kind of <coughs> interesting because actually, um, in the medieval period, they did study other subjects. You know, Roger Bacon, yeah. Friar in Oxford, mm. did a mm. groundbreaking work on optics. Yeah. Um, uh, the Corteados, the, the first theological college in this country in, in Flintwick Major, set up in the late fourth century. <coughs> um, St. Iltud taught mathematics and rhetoric and the classics and everything alongside I think where you're right is <coughs> theology was seen as embracing everything yeah, yeah. rather than a subject among others yeah, yeah. and I presume that was partly because theology enabled you to live your life mm. um, those subjects are are interesting um, but unless they're combined with something that tells you how it impacts how you're then actually going to live Hmm. Um, then they they remain um, intellectual in the in the derogatory sense of, of that of that hmm. word. I think I think there was a sense that if you believe in the Creator, you're interested in yeah. the whole of creation. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's what I fear yeah. we're in danger of losing yeah. when we just teach people theology, how to read the Bible, that we we forget hmm. that hmm. this this is a lens through which hmm. to to understand the world are right. Yeah. And but, Sorry, to, no, and, and, and everything is of interest. You know, was it um, was it Terence? I think the classic writer, who um, Latin writer, who who said, "I'm a human being. Nothing human is irrelevant to me." Mm-hmm. And I think Christians should hold that same. You know, yeah. I'm a creature. Nothing creaturely is unimportant mm-hmm. to me or irrelevant mm-hmm. to me. Um, but presumably, part of the reason for setting up the medieval schools um, was because actually the standard of education among clergy was extremely mm. low at the time so yes. people were actually being or, or um, us ordinary lay people were being disedified um, precisely because their clergy could um, could say the the mass mm. um, but didn't impact their character <coughs> or their lives mm. in any way or couldn't preach so, sermons as no, such yeah. and, and also couldn't live as though they yeah. knew what it meant mm. in the way they lived their lives so again bringing together that sense that in order to to really develop character Mm. Um, uh, and discipleship, you actually have to pay attention mm. Mm. Um, to yes. God. And I think I think you're right. Since the Enlightenment, there has been a kind of <coughs> a loss of that big vision mm. of theology being the lens through which everything mm. else can make sense, and, and which has been expanded through looking at everything mm. else. Um, but uh, and I think there's also a sense in the modern university that character doesn't really matter unless it leads mm. you to damaged college property (laughs) in which case they suddenly take an interest in your character Mm. Um, and and we don't we we want a holistic Mm. vision Mm. but in so far as it is thinking hard academic Mm. life is just thinking hard Mm. and thinking together 
And those are two things that we need. Mm -hmm. And if we can get those from the university in some way, fantastic. Yeah. But we need to put all the other elements yeah. of what it is. Yeah, no, I think my, my, my point is simply <coughs> wanted to say that theology is an academic subject, but it's not just an academic subject. No, that's true. It's actually the the restriction of theology just to saying it's a it's a exercise you do for a few years, write a few essays, get a degree, done theology. That just seems to be a kind of shriveled vision of theology. I suppose that leads me on to another question, which is um, to what extent does theology need to be done in the context of prayer and worship? Because I guess the classic theologians would say you, you, it, it, you, know, you can't conceive of theology which is not somehow connected to prayer yes. and worship. But of course, in you know, um, that's one thing you often can't do in secular universities and theological schools is, is, to, is to pray and worship as part of that. Um, but it's an interesting question. You know, is, is theology not done in prayer still theology? Or what kind of enterprise is it? What do you think? I mean, we both work, or we all three work, yeah. at institutions that puts prayer into and at the centre of the beginning of each day, um, precisely for that reason, mm. that knowledge of God only makes its proper and full sense when it's relationship with yeah. God and mm. part of that. Mm. It, that both uh, that both informs wonderfully the, the prayer mm. Mm. and brings to life yep. uh, the theology yep. and um, I agree I think that is absolutely essential mm. and it's partly essential um, <coughs> uh, um, because uh, it's only God that gives us the, the courage and the boldness to, to it's only a relationship with God mm. that gives us the courage and the boldness to start a, this enterprise mm. of mm. examining God mm. Um, what do we think we're doing if we think we can um, examine the creator of the universe mm. uh, and mm. put him under a microscope in some way yeah. uh, unless we do so in uh, the knowledge that, he, that God has invited us to do this mm. and mm. be part of this conversation but um, you know, obviously or equally all of us presumably studied theology um, in a, an institution mm. where that was not taken for granted uh, and uh, I don't I don't wish to say that it isn't possible to do um, uh, really mm. rigorous and helpful uh, theological uh, investigation um, outside a, a context of faith. It's just that it's it's like examining something whose purpose you don't quite know, isn't mm. it? It mm. can mm. still be really interesting. But if you leave out the fact that most people practice it as though it means something and you're going, it's going to shape your life, mm. then you're leaving out one of the the absolutely essential uh, facets of a, of, a, of a discipline. Yeah, and in some ways I often think of prayer as almost the, the best theology ends in prayer. And the, the, Begins the, and ends. Yeah. Yeah. And it's shot through in the middle. Yes. Exactly, yeah. I mean, there, <laughs> there are those moments when you're reading something or thinking something through where suddenly you have to almost sort of stop and mm. just pray or worship because suddenly you've seen something with about about God which you've not seen before mm -hmm. and um, so it seems to be that, that that's that I, I often seen that that you know when, when you read the early fathers and, and 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 the Reformation theologians and the medieval theologians as well that they often are very they get very kind of um, anxious about tiny th distinctions in theology you know which preposition should you use in mm -hmm. the Gloria and that sort of thing 
You know, do we worship the Father in the Spirit or through the Spirit or in Christ? You know, whatever, all that sort of thing. And um, I, I, th- I suppose I think what's going on there is the reason why the great theologians are so fascinated and so sort of um, sort of nitpicky, really, about language is that it's almost like you know looking through a picture at a, in, in a through a sort of long angle lens, and you. you, you twist the lens a little bit and you do it finely in the fine little distance until you finally got the the vision so clear that you can see every single detail of what you're looking at but to do that you have to do, to do some very fine adjustments to the to the lens so it's a little bit like that when you do theology the purpose of doing theology is so that you might see god just that little bit more clearly and articulate what this god is about and that's why the language matters why deep thought matters because if you think in a sloppy way, you use language in a sloppy way, you just don't. It's like it's like looking at a blurred picture of God, and a blurred picture of anything doesn't really excite you very much. But when you see a <coughs> clear picture of something beautiful, it captures your imagination and your heart and everything. And so long as you, you, when you've done the fine tuning, you also know that there's that you actually haven't captured God. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's that lovely. Yeah, poem, you don't take the picture and then go home. Let me count the ways, and and, mm. the, and the poem then counts the ways. It says, but they're none of them the actual reason. Mm. <laughs> they're all true, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, there's something beyond what we're capable of actually expressing, um, which doesn't make the expressions untrue or worthless. Yeah. But it's it's that exhilarating feeling of um, plunging into the sea. It's 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 much bigger. Yeah. Um, I, I'm the wrong people person to ask about this because. Um, I love grammar, so getting the right preposition is very important. I mean, in grammar, like in having your eyes tested for glasses, um, getting it right makes a huge difference to the meaning. Yeah. You know, eat shoots and leaves. Um, yeah. Yeah. If not punctuated correctly, means something completely different. Getting our grammar about God right is kind of important. Yeah. Um, it's not dry and dusty, and even if it were dry and dusty, it might still be important. Hmm. Um, to, to what extent do you think also that I've often thought that you know, for me personally academic theological study reading difficult books about theology is kind of an important spiritual discipline that if I don't do it I find my my spiritual life my prayer life begins to shrivel a bit um, and so I kind of do it not just because that's what I'm supposed to do and I've got to kind of prepare sermons and prepare lectures and talks and so on, but actually it's good for my soul to do that kind of reading. And I suppose my question is, you know, to what extent is that a general spiritual discipline for all Christians? To what extent is it just for certain kinds of Christians who have a particular kind of academic or intellectual bent? Um, or is it something that every Christian ought to be engaged with? It's a really, it's a very interesting question. And um, I suspect the answer is everybody should try a bit more of what they're not actually doing. Um, so uh, I find it much easier to pick up um, the latest volume of systematic theology and get excited about it than to sit for an hour in silence or saying the Jesus prayer. And that means that probably I should spend more time doing the latter than the former. Um, so I think that the, 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 the task is always to allow God to stretch us Yes. Um, mm. further beyond what is natural and easy to us mm. without abandoning what is natural and easy to us. And and going back to, to prayer, I was reading this morning Jeremiah 23 about you know, who has stood in the council of the Lord. Mm. Mm. Uh, and if you haven't stood in the council of the Lord, 
Don't what? go rabbiting on. Don't go rabbiting <laughs> it's on. It's more or less what Jeremiah says. Yes, it's, it's a free translation. <laughs> uh, it is roughly right. And, um, uh, and that is at the heart of everything else. And that, I think, probably most of us find the hardest yeah. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, to stand in the council of God without rabbiting on at him. Right. So, yeah, yeah. But certainly I would absolutely love <coughs> more people to realise that God gets bigger the more you examine God, the, yes. more, the mm. more attention you pay to God, the bigger and more exciting God mm. gets. Mm. Whereas I think there is still, I think, um, I think in the in this sense only, Mike is right. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a quiet admission. Mike is right about something. But <laughs> there, that we there is an anti-intellectualism that suggests that actually, if you if you do too much theology, <coughs> it'll be bad for your faith. How could that yeah. possibly be the case? Mm. Yes. If God is true, then there is yes. then it can only get more true the more you examine. Mm. Um, and pay attention. Whereas yes. if God is not true, and then the sooner you find out, the better, really. And uh, get on with something <laughs> yeah. else. Yes. And, what, and if someone's listening to this, thinking mm, this is kind of interesting, maybe I've not really done much kind of academic theology or, or, or kind of deep reading and engaged my mind with my faith much in the past. <coughs> um, well, maybe I should do that. I've listened to God Pod, and here's Mike telling me I should be. Uh, um, thinking, loving God with my mind. Uh, how would you recommend? I, it wasn't someone? me who came up with that idea. Actually. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, where, where would you suggest someone starts? Well, how about a book called Cafe Theology? <laughs> <laughs> Checks in the post, Jane. Thank you. Yes. Just in case you don't know what that is, Cafe Theology is written by Michael Lloyd. <laughs> Available from all good booksellers. That's right. by definition. Yeah. Um, there's a number of ways, isn't there? Um, reading <coughs> is a good one. Um, there are good theological colleges and courses that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. do things. Look at some of the look at Wycliffe, and, and other providers yep. are also available. Um, do kind of part time courses or um, that's, that sort of thing. Mm. I think I'd, sometimes you could just, although it might put you off praying, be a little bit conscious of what you're saying when you pray. <coughs> Um, I mean, look at the Lord's Prayer. Um, what is it actually saying? What is it suggesting about God and about our relationship mm. with God and about mm. the world's relationship mm. with God? Look at the creed and think, well, what is it saying and, and why? And actually um, uh, be aware as you construct your prayers that, that as a matter of fact, you are doing theology. Mm. You are expressing what mm. you most profoundly believe about God. Um, uh, and as I say, it can make you too self-conscious about praying to begin with. But it, it, uh, but as a matter of fact, everybody who expresses anything about God is doing theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to become a little <coughs> more thoughtful and reflective about that is mm. often quite a good starting point. And then, yes, you might think, you might think, well, okay, I'd like to discuss this with other people. Do it with mm. others. Think mm. about mm. what we're doing together. One of the things I, I think can, can sometimes help is to get into the habit of um, thinking about theological problems when you got your odd moment. <laughs> so it's often say, you know... It's a lovely picture, isn't it, to think about, Graham, at odd moments. It's, it's, it's a lovely picture to think of having an odd moment. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, because you can tell what someone is fascinated by, but what their mind goes yeah. to when, when, when there is a sort of downtime. <coughs> you know, what do you dream about when you're, you've got nothing else to do or when you're lying awake at night or when... Um, and then often, we, you know, we worry about the things that are on our minds or we dream about holidays or something like that but actually to get into the discipline of some every now and again thinking okay well, let's try and sort of tease away at a theological problem here you know i've got a few moments i'm lying awake at night thinking well okay what you know, did jesus have should we describe christ as having two natures or one nature 
What's the advantage or diff- different ways of saying that? Just to get into the habit of actually thinking through a mm. theological issue. It doesn't have to be that one. It can be all kinds of ones. Um, just to kind of just to keep thinking about it. You know, how do you make sense of that? And mm. what, what can that take you to? And I, I often find that, that sort of discipline of saying, okay, I'm not going to think about things I'm worried about. I'm not going to think about just my holidays. I'm going to think about God for a little while and think about a particular issue. And it's often the problems about God, the theological problems that can get you into some of the more fertile territory and, and just some of the really interesting sort of aspects of that. And I often find when I do that, when I start <coughs> thinking about it, something a, a thought strikes and it ends up in prayer and worship. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I'm grateful for the plug for uh, Cafe Theology, <laughs> but um, I, a, a plug I would make is for a book called The Shadow of the Galilean mm. by Good mm. Tyson. It's a dated book now in many ways. The scholarship's probably moved on a little bit, but it's a kind of fun read because it's a it's set in a narrative somebody who's sent out by the Romans to explore the various sects within Judaism in the first century um, and goes and explores them all and, and at the end of each chapter it gives uh, a, a little history about why he's put the things into the narrative that he has and, and the history that lies behind it and it introduces you to the Essene sect and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and, and all the kind of different uh, sex, which which puts the New Testament into into a really good historical top context, I think. So I think that's a good, a pretty good place to start. Good. Well, thank you. And um, whenever we start out on these Godpod things, we always have about you know two or three questions we're going to answer. We end up answering one. Or not if answering. Not answering. <laughs> so we are very grateful for Simon for his um, really interesting question. Yes. Um, that's um, kept us going for a good half an hour or so. So um, anyway, that's Godpod for today. Um, thank you, Mike and Jane, for your pleasure. conversation pleasure. and your presence. And um, that's it for this one. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, you can tune in again and uh, hear another God pod before too long. Goodbye. That was God Pod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try.